Help, Thanks, and Wow. One of my favorite authors, Anne Lamott, wrote a book by that title, Help, Thanks, and Wow, The Three Essential Prayers. Her books often explore how we can move from being troubled to feeling whole. She says people who don't even believe there's anyone out there who could help will lift up that first prayer, help. And there are days when we all need help. I think that's my prayer every Sunday morning, help. Lord, help, Lord, what I say to be your word of hope and good news for someone today. Help. Thanks is also a great prayer. I'm thankful today. Anyone else? As we conclude our sermon series on the beautiful oops, I'm thankful for the way God takes our mistakes and redeems them in beautiful ways, ways that make us say, wow. I lost more than my share of golf balls on the course recently, and after a particular rough series of holes, we came upon this box. A couple of kids had made a sign to make golfers smile and redeem their oops shots. Thanks. I'm also thankful for the Pirates to have had a no-hitter thrown against them last week. Oops. But to still win that game, a beautiful oops for my team at least. Thanks. One mother came to church thankful. Her son had just received his learner's permit. He volunteered to drive her to church that day, and after a long, rough ride, they managed to get to church. When he dropped his mother off at the front door, she loudly said, Thank you. Her son replied, Anytime, Mom. As she slammed the door to the car, she told him, I wasn't thanking you. I was talking to God. What might you want to thank God for this morning? How many of us are Thankful for graduates and graduations this month. I'm grateful for the blessings of our youth ministry. They made cards for our graduating seniors, like Presley Bowden, one of our scholarship recipients whose name was left out of the program on the first week. Oops, but I can now show you one of the beautiful cards that let our seniors know how much they will be missed. Wow. In today's scripture, Jesus uses an oops to tell a story about how to find healing and wholeness. Ten lepers are healed, but only one comes back to say thanks. Oops. This story has been used to remind people to be grateful. And gratitude is a wonderful thing. But there's got to be more to this story than a cry for help and a reminder to go back and say thanks. Hear the good news from the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 11 to 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the good news according to the Gospel of Luke. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, hear our prayers of help, thanks, and wow. 
may we continue to return to you in thanksgiving, falling at your feet for your amazing grace. Amen. Friends, my back is hurting today. Anyone else dealing with any aches and pains? I think we all have days when we wish we could not feel any pain or that the pain we feel would just go away. In our story from the Gospel of Luke on the border between Samaria and Galilee, 10 lepers have gathered outside a village because they all shared the same disease. They gathered together in their pain. When people are in pain, other differences start to weigh. Nobody seemed to be worried about who was a Jew and who was a Samaritan. They were all just people who were hurting, who were helping each other. Nobody asks you what teams you root for in the infusion lab, for everyone there is lifting the same prayer. Help, help. These poor lepers, if it was not bad enough to be suffering with what in those days was an incurable disease, they were forced to leave their homes and families, isolating themselves according to the laws of Leviticus 13. If anyone came near them, they had to yell out a warning, shouting, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine wearing a sign around your neck day in and day out, unclean? Or what if you had to wear a sign that was more specific about the thing in your life that you are least proud of? Like which of the seven deadly, deadly sins is your favorite pastime? Anger, gluttony, sloth, pride, envy, greed, or lust? What if you had to walk around yelling what was most painful in your life? That place in your life you are unclean that has brought pain to you and to those you love. Today we tend not to share our pain openly. Well, some physical pain is obvious to others, but with emotional pain we tend to keep our diagnoses to ourselves. We try to go it alone privately in our pain. We try to hide our pain, suffering alone in siloed silence. My first crisis as a pastor was trying to help a member of our church who had had a miscarriage. At 22 years old, I was totally ill-equipped after one year of seminary training to be of any help. The couple felt like they were walking alone in their pain and came to me with their prayer for help. Not sure how to help, I called my mom, the nurse, to get some advice. Help! And rather than a clinical answer, my mom told me about her pain. She told me about the miscarriages she'd had in the 10 years between my brother being born and me coming along some 10 years later. Mom, I never knew that you and dad went through all that. Wow. This couple was not sure how to deal with their loss. I encouraged them to share their pain in prayer with the congregation. When the women of the church found out this couple was surrounded by a previously silent army of folks who had been through the same pain. My guess is whatever pain you're going through, there's someone in our church who is walking that road or a similar road or has walked that road before you. We all feel alone in our pain, but just because we've not compared notes. For pain has a way of getting our attention, doesn't it? The lepers have gathered outside the village, united in their pain, in their uncleanliness, when they see Jesus approaching and they decided to lift that first prayer, help. They cry out in unison, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I wonder how long they rehearsed it. Okay, one, two, three, guys, let's get ready. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Their pain had brought them to a place where they were willing to ask for help, to yell for it. And that's one of the gifts of pain. It prods us to do things that we need to do. They call out to Jesus in our pain, and that can be the first helping step. Calling out to Jesus in prayer, Jesus, help, have mercy upon me. Then comes the word master, 
a word only used in Luke and only seven times. If we page back through the Gospel of Luke that we've been studying all year, we see five other incidents where this word epistata is used. Each time before it's on the lips of a disciple. The disciples are fishing and say, Master, we've caught nothing and Jesus brings abundance. They're in a storm and they say it twice, Master, Master, can't you see that we are perishing? And Jesus calms the storm of their life. Jesus later asks, who touched me? And they tell him, Master, the crowd is pressing in on you. But Jesus had felt power go out of him when a woman touched the hem of his garment because she desperately needed to help the help and healing and had been considered unclean. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, as heaven meets earth, the disciples say, Master, it's good for us to be here. And they want to hold on to that wow moment. And finally, when they're worried about someone casting out demons in Jesus' name, Jesus tells them, Whoever's not against us is for us. Keep your eyes on what is important, folks. And now these 10 would-be disciples in their pain and leprosy cry out, Help, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. We're unclean. When Jesus sees people in pain, he moves toward them. When we see people in pain, we often tend to go the other direction. We aren't sure what to do. So we avoid the pain, the pain of others and our own pain. We numb the pain with prescribed or self-prescribed medications and habits. And sometimes in pain, pain makes us feel awkward. We don't know what to say. Someone's dealing with grief and we don't know how to help, so we avoid the situation. And that's why the casserole was invented. For when you don't know what to say, it gives you a reason to go. When we cannot express our pain, we start to internalize it. And that dis-ease eats away at our health. Someone goes through a divorce, the loss of a relationship, and we stay silent. Recently, when someone in our community had a death in their family, I got a call from a friend of theirs asking, what should we do? And I said, just show up. Just show up. It's a rule in our family. You never regret going if someone is in pain. They need to know they are not alone. And they asked, what should we say? I said, don't say, say anything. Just show up. Very few people in pain will say, I wish they'd not shown up for me in my pain. People remember it when you show up. So we go, we go where love leads us, for nothing gets our attention like pain. Jesus saw those in pain. He really looked at them and saw them in their hurt. And he tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. Obey the law. This echoes an awesome story in 2 Kings where Naaman the Syrian, a decorated military leader, suffered with leprosy. He hears there's someone in Israel who can help him with leprosy. And after a few steps between the kings of the nations, he finally makes it to the prophet Elijah who tells Naaman to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. But with that, Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Are not the rivers of Damascus better than the waters here in Israel? Could I not wash back there and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? We want God to snap God's fingers and fix things. But God tells us to take that small step in faith and go wash seven times. Go show yourself to the priest. Are you willing to grow in your obedience by starting with something simple? Like going home and washing your hands seven times, praying for God to start cleansing you of what is unclean in your life? 
People want God to wave a wand over the spot and cure whatever's unclean. And I'm sure that God just wants to say to them, oh, your finances are unclean. Take a step and go to financial peace class. You're struggling with addiction. Take a first step and go to an AA meeting. You're struggling with loss. Go to talk to someone like our grief share group. You're struggling with a relationship. Ask for a Stephen minister who can walk with you in your pain. Take a step in the right direction. You don't have to go it alone. If God has asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? Go and show yourself to the priest. Be vulnerable in your pain. Ask for help. Pray that first prayer. Jesus tells the 10 lepers to go and show themselves to the priests. They were so desperate for healing that all 10 of them went immediately. And then the text gives us this beautiful line that on the way, as they were going, they were healed. For them, healing was not their destination. The journey of obedience brought healing. They were healed on the way. Just like a journey of disobedience can bring pain and hurt and detours can bring destruction. When we get going, healing can start. Karl Barth said it in this way, all sin springs from ingratitude. When you forget to be grateful on what you are blessed with, you begin to separate yourself from God and from others. Sometimes we are the ones who ask for help. At other times, there are people who are praying for us, for us to get the help we need. And to those people, I say thanks. Tony Campola tells about the time he was asked to speak at a Pentecostal college in Pennsylvania. Before the service, eight men had him kneel so they could place their hands on his head and pray. Tony was glad to have the prayer, but each of them prayed a long, long time. And the longer they prayed, the more they pushed down on Tony's head and then they even seemed to wander in their prayers. One guy didn't even pray for Tony. He prayed for some guy he was concerned about in the community. He began to pray, Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzfus. He lives in that silver trailer down the road a mile. You know that trailer, Lord, just on the right-hand side of the road. And Tony wanted to interrupt and tell the prayer that God already knew where this guy lived and didn't need directions, but he just knelt there trying to keep his head upright. The prayer went on. Lord, Charlie told me this morning that he was going to leave his wife and three kids. Step in and do something, God. Bring that family back together. With that, the prayer ended and Tony went on to preach at the college chapel. Things went well and he got into his car and began to drive home. And as he drove onto the Pennsylvania Turnpike, he saw a hitchhiker and felt compelled to pick him up. Kimpolo said, we drove a few minutes and I said, Hi, my name's Tony Campolo. What's yours? And he said, my name's Charlie Stoltzfuzz. Campolo couldn't believe it. He got off the turnpike at the next edit, exit and headed back. Charlie got a bit uneasy with that. And after a few minutes, he said, hey, mister, where are you taking me? Campolo said, I'm taking you home. Charlie's eyes narrowed and asked why. And Campolo said, because you left your wife and three kids, right? That blew Charlie away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Charlie began to plaster himself up against the other door of the car and he never took his eyes off Tony. Then Tony really did him in as he drove right up to that silver trailer. And when they pulled up, Charlie's eyes seemed to bulge as he asks, how did you know that I lived here? And Campolo said, God told me. Campolo really believed that God did tell him that day. And when he opened the trailer door, his wife exclaimed, you're back, you're back. Charlie whispered in his wife's ear and the more he talked, the bigger her eyes got. And Campolo said with real authority, the two of you sit down, I'm gonna talk and you two are gonna listen. And man, did they listen. Help, thanks, and wow. 
It's the way God works. Lori Erickson, an Episcopal deacon in Iowa, introduced me to Paul Brand, who grew up in India, the child of missionary parents. After receiving medical training in England, he returned to India to devote himself to those afflicted with leprosy. He did so at a time when medical science was just beginning to develop treatments for the disease. While the newly discovered sulfa drugs could halt the spread of the bacterial infection, even after being treated, most leprosy patients continued to suffer terrible disfigurements. And Dr. Brand devoted himself to finding out why that was happening. And he came to realize that the crippling power of leprosy came not because the flesh was rotting away, even after the infection was stopped, as he had previously thought, but because the disease destroyed the body's ability to feel pain. That simple fact accounted for the great majority of the damage that was being done. Leprosy patients would sprain their ankles and not realize it and continue to walk on that injured foot until it was irreparably damaged. They would go blind because without the sensation in their eyes, they didn't feel the need to blink, which kept the eyes lubricated and free of impurities. It might be difficult to see pain as a gift, but in a normal body, pain sets limits on our movements and warns us of the potential danger of injury. In leprosy patients without any pain reflex, they have no built-in warning system, and so they keep hurting themselves more and more. After many years of working with people who feel no pain, Brand came to realize that pain can be an indispensable teacher and an opportunity for growth. He writes, I began to view painlessness as one of the greatest curses that can befall a human being. The good news of the gospel today is that you do not have to stay alone in your pain. It does not mean that the pain will go away, but you can take the steps needed to start the process of healing. And that is the gift of pain. It tells us that change is needed for pain prompts us to ask for help. Help, have mercy upon me, Jesus, master in my pain. And when I get the tools to deal with my pain, I can't help but saying thanks. Thank you. Yet only one of the 10 lepers came back to say thanks. Thank you is a prayer you will not want to miss. Yet it's always bothered me in the story that the Samaritan leper who's praised by Jesus didn't really follow Jesus' instructions. Jesus told him to go and show himself to the priests for their healing seemed to come in obedience to Jesus' instructions. But right after the Samaritan leper realizes he's been healed, he turns back to Jesus. He falls down at Jesus' feet, praising God with a love. Thank you, thank you. Thanks is the shorthand version of the prayer, so you'll remember it. But the true prayer, Anne Lamott says, is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus says to the former leper who happens to be a Samaritan, an outsider, a foreigner, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And the word used there is not just mean healed, it means whole, fully restored to health and life. I think I finally see it. Why does it take us so long for us to truly see what God is trying to tell us? The Samaritan really did go and show himself to the priest. He was the only one who fully recognized Jesus for who he was, for who he is. The great high priest and that recognition saved him. It gave him back his life and gave it to him abundantly, for that is faith. Wow. May we take the first step toward healing today, asking for help. Try to say thanks, even in your pain. 
and trust that God can redeem our pain in a way that one day we too are able to say, wow, just wow, like the leper who'd been given back his life and was made whole. And all because he showed up to praise and thank Jesus. So keep showing up. It's a rule at our house. You never regret going. It is far more likely that you'll regret, regret not going. Which will be your prayer today. Help, thanks, or wow. Anne Lamott says it this way. Wow is the praise prayer. The prayer where we're finally speechless. Which in my case is saying something. When I don't know what else to do, I go outside and I see the sky and the trees and a bird flies by and my mouth drops open with wonder at the sheer beauty of creation. Wow, this is great. Wow is the prayer of wonder. Like the leper in our story, there are days to pray all three. Help, thanks, wow. Pain has taught me more than I've realized and showing up for Jesus has saved me. I'm thankful for the pain that God has delivered me through. May we be willing to ask for help, to go where Jesus sends us, and to show up and say thanks for the help that comes, and be willing to say wow when our oops is made into something beautiful. Amen.